Good morning, everyone. Trust you are well. You sound well. Chatting with one another. We are going to continue a series, part three, on our series of hard feelings. And as it was stated right at the very start, the purpose of the series is not intended to be clinical or medical, but to be unapologetically sermon-based from verses on the Bible. That's where we are headed. In the previous two weeks, we have covered the emotions of worry, and last week it was shame, and today it's part three, anger. I even wore a red shirt because I was told that anger is, has the official color of being red. Now, they also say the same thing for love, so I'm not really sure what to make of that. But anyway, anger is a human emotion. It's a feeling of adrenaline that comes with increased blood flow to your muscles. Your muscles start to contract, your skin gets hot, and your face begins to glow red. That's exactly the way the Bible, in its original language of Hebrew, describes anger. It's literally described, ready for this, hot nose. I wonder if anyone had a hot nose experience on the way to church this morning. Probably for sure over the weekend at some point. And yet, let me say this right at the very start. Anger is an emotion that has been given to you by God. God wants you to be angry. It is God's will for you and me to be angry. I don't know if you know that or not, or if you were expecting that, but it's true. Ephesians 4, verse 26, starts by saying, be angry. So anger is a gift from God, a good gift from God. God wants you to be angry. And if you've been paying attention to at all to the news or the home where you live or out in the workplace or school or while you're driving or shopping around practically everywhere you look, you might say, boy, Doug, it certainly looks like this God's will for everyone being angry thing. It looks like there's a whole lot of people doing his will because there's a lot of angry people out there. The news is angry. Politics is angry. Angry economy, angry nations, angry coronavirus stuff. Angry, 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 angry. People are angry. Maybe your home is like my home sometimes. Spouses are spouting off to each other. Siblings are sassy and sarcastic. Parents are angry with the children, and the children are angry with the parents. And oh, those roads... They are filled with angry people holding on to a steering wheel, honking those horns and giving the sign language out the window. <laughs> All where they try to get their most important place. And in just a few days, the stores are going to become really angry places filled with angry shoppers doing all this shouting and selfish shenanigans. Black Friday quickly becomes angry Friday. Oh, and you can guarantee it, there will be that video of those two grandmas duking it out for that last PlayStation on the shelf. It sounds to me like when it comes to God's commandment to be angry, a lot of people really have it going on. And if you're a person who has a short fuse and a hot temper, you might be thinking, yes, I like where this is heading. But... Being angry comes with a gigantic stipulation. 
be angry, and here's the rest of the verse in Ephesians, and do not sin. Oh. That changes everything. It changes the way I walk. It changes the way I talk. It changes the way I live. That changes the way some of us watch our favorite sports team. Just think, isn't it crazy how 20-year-olds wearing tight pants, chasing and throwing around an oblong-shaped ball all over a field can make people so angry on a Saturday afternoon? Some of you blue and orange people know what I mean. <laughs> Is this even possible to be angry and not sin? Well, my immediate answer is yes, because Paul, the author of Ephesians in this verse, he wrote it, and underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he said that. Apparently, there is a kind of anger that is stamped with God's approval, and there's a kind of anger that is sin. And that leads us right to today to what I want to look at that we call our outline for today. Three questions that I'd like for us to look at as we talk about this emotion of anger. One, why does God command Christians to be angry and to do it without sinning? Two, how can Christians be angry and not sin? That's important to know how, the how and the why. And then three, is it wrong to be angry at God? That's a very popular question in our culture today, and I want us to look at it. Here's the first question. Why does God command Christians to be angry and to do it without sinning? Because we were made to resemble God. That's the short answer. From the very beginning, on the last day of creation, God said in Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And that includes God putting his personal touch on us, making us like in his image mentally, socially, and morally. Mentally, human beings can reason and choose. This is a direct reflection of God's intellect and his freedom. Anytime someone makes an invention or makes an idea or writes a book or paints a painting or enjoys music or balances a checkbook or builds something or solves a problem, he or she is proclaiming the very fact that they are made in God's image. It's the same for socially. People are created for relationships and community. From the very start, that was God's idea. Every time. Someone makes a friend, gives a hug, meets for coffee, gives a fist bump, meets at the pickleball courts. Anytime we do stuff like that, where we go to parties, send an email, get married, all of this, come to church, all of this is demonstrating the fact that we are made in the likeness of God. We just don't do that on our own. That's how we are wired, being made in God's image. And it is the same for us when it comes to morality. Humanity was created in the righteousness and the reflection of God's holiness. When we write laws, it's because we're made in the image of God. We've recognized there's a need there. When someone sees something that is disgusted by wrongdoings, when someone gives praise for good behavior or we feel guilty about something, all of this is a confirming act that the fact is that we were made in God's own image. And because God is angry and does so without sinning, which I want to show you shortly from Scripture, because we were made in His image, we also should be angry and do it without sinning. 
Are you ready for an angry verse? Yes. Yes, one person. The rest of you? Are you ready for an angry verse? Yes. Thank you. Now you need to take a deep breath. Here it comes. Isaiah 5:25. Therefore the Lord's anger burns against his people. He raised his hand against them and struck them. The mountains quaked and their corpses were like garbage in the streets. In all of this, his anger is not removed and his hand is still raised to strike. Yikes. God backhanding people to the extent that mountains shake. Corpses, bodies piled up in the streets. That's a lot of anger. This verse comes from the prophet Isaiah, who is warning Israel that God's judgment is coming. In fact, the entire chapter is one long indictment against the people of Israel. They've been corrupt and arrogant, and God has a hot, red, angry nose. Invading armies are coming to cause death and exile. And Isaiah is prophesying, prophesying here that they will leave dead bodies in their quakes. God's anger is serious. God's anger is no joke. And it's understandably that it makes us very uncomfortable. It is also one of anger, God's anger is one of the reasons that people will state for not liking the God of the Bible. But we can't make up our own God, and we certainly can't change the way God really is. It would be foolish for us to ignore the passage in the Bible that talk about God's anger. There are many, many verses that speak to this. I'm going to run us through some of them. Psalm 711, God is a righteous judge and a God who shows his wrath every day. Wrath is another word that means extreme anger. Every day, God is showing his wrath. Somewhere, somehow, his wrath is being handed down as a righteous judge. Ezra 8, 22. The hand of our, of, the hand of our God is gracious to all who seek him, but his great anger is against all who abandon him. Isaiah 42. They were not willing to walk in his ways, and they would not listen to his instruction, so he poured out on Jacob his furious anger and the power of war. That's just another example of the many times that the nation of Israel was defiant and disobedient to God. When does God get angry? God gets angry when there is a violation of his character. God is righteous, God is just, God is holy, and none of these None of these attributes can be compromised. And it is a guarantee that God's wrath, God's anger, will come to pass on any person or any nation who disobeys his word. In the New Testament, it's the same. Jesus, who is God, he displays the emotion of anger. One example I want to show you is in John chapter 2, 13 through 16, which reads... The Jewish Passover was near, so Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple complex, he found people selling oxen, sheep, and doves. And he also found money changers sitting there. After making a whip out of cords, oof, 
He drove everyone out of the temple complex with their sheep and oxen. He also poured out the money changer, changers' coins and overturned the tables. He told those who were selling the doves, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Jesus angry? Jesus with a whip? Turning over tables? Throwing money around everywhere? Yep. Maybe someone is starting to think, wait a minute here. These acts of God and Jesus here, these angers that are on display, this kind of sounds sinful to me to act this way towards people. And yet the Bible is very clear about the character of God. 1 Peter 2.22, he, that's referring to Jesus, he did not commit sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. So somehow it is possible to make a whip and drive out people and scatter their money everywhere and flip over tables and not sin while having a hot nose. Hebrews 4.15 For we do not have a high priest, that's another name for Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tested in every way as we are yet without sin. Jesus has experienced anything and everything that we have, including anger. And this verse makes the claim that anytime Jesus became angry or was tempted to sin, he did not sin. There's more. 1 John 3, 5. You know that he, and that's referring to Jesus, he was revealed so that he might take away sins. And there is no sin in him. No sin in him. That's what makes him the perfect sacrifice to God for our sins. And the Bible confirms that, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He, that's God, made the one, that's Jesus, who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is what we call amazing grace. Amen. Jesus who had no sin, took on all of our sin, and in exchange, we get the righteousness of God through Jesus. My prayer this week, my prayer going forward here would be that you are convinced that God does not sin. Be convinced that when God gets angry, it is a righteous anger and not sin. So why does God command Christians to be angry and not sin? Because we are created in the image of God. And part of God's image includes having the emotion of anger. And why are we, not, we, and why are we to be angry and not sin? Because God does not ever, ever sin. Not even when he is angry. Which gets us to question two. So how can this be? How can Christians be angry and not sin? And I think it's really important that we first establish the fact that anger in and of itself is not a sin. But how anger is used determines if it is a sin or not. This is true for all things. Talking, is it a sin? No, boy, one person here is really on their A game. Talking is not sinful in and of itself. But if that talking is gossip or slander, the Bible calls it sin. Sex is not a sin in and of itself. 
But the Bible makes it really clear that sex outside of marriage is called a sin. Everything falls into one of these two categories. Either it is honoring or dishonoring to God. If it is honoring, it's pleasing to God and gives praise to God. If it's dishonoring, it's displeasing to God and it robs God of his praise and his glory. We have seen this to be true in the past two weeks in the series. Last week it was shame. There is a kind of shame that is toxic and destructive. And there's a kind of shame that is healthy and productive. We saw that right from Bible verses. And we can't argue that. There they are. One is dishonoring to God and one is honoring to him. It's the same for the emotion of worry. Two weeks ago that we looked at. There's a type of worry that God forbids. And there's a type of worry called concern that God desires that we have. So it is with anger. There is a form of righteous anger that gets approval from God, and there is a form of human anger that God calls sin. Here's what human anger looks like according to the Bible. Human anger becomes sinful when it is motivated by pride. And I would dare say that most of the anger that every one of us in this building deals with the most is this one. Proverbs 13.10, where there is strife, and that's just another word for anger, there is pride. Human, be, human anger becomes sin when it distorts God's purposes. Look at 1 Corinthians 10.31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, including be, being angry, do everything for the glory of God. If your anger is not pleasing to God, then it is classified, it is labeled as human anger, and it is sin. And we must get rid of that sin. That's exactly what Ephesians 4.31 says. It commands us to do this. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you, along with all malice. Why? James 1.20 for man's anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Don't you just love how the Bible just builds upon principle upon principle? This is one of the ways you can know if your anger is righteous anger or if it's human anger. Ask yourself, does this anger bring glory to God? Does this anger accomplish God's righteousness? a good indicator on how to proceed with the anger. And human anger becomes sinful when it lingers and holds on to grudges. Here's the full verse, Ephesians 4.26. Be angry and do not sin and don't let the sun go down on your anger. Meaning, don't go to bed mad. Stay awake, give the matter to God, and then go to bed and sleep soundly as he fights for you. I'm pretty sure that this is what Paul had in mind from his understanding of Psalms 4.4. The verse sounds almost the same as Ephesians 4.26. Be angry and do not sin. So this is a righteous kind of anger going on here. Be angry and do not sin on your bed, reflecting your heart and be still. There's another clue of what righteous anger looks like. When a person can be still and have self-control and be reflective of the situation, we call it 
calm, cool, and collective. So when you see anger, your anger specifically, or maybe someone else's, when you see anger that is out of control, fuming, we have to check ourselves. If the cat is getting kicked, if the TV is getting yelled at, if the conversation is getting louder and louder, if the golf club is getting bent, if the pots and the pans are slamming in the kitchen, if the four-letter words are flying, if the fists are swinging, what kind of anger is bringing on this hot nose? It's a great way to evaluate what kind of anger is going on in your heart. Human anger becomes sinful when instead of attacking the problem, we attack the person. Look at Ephesians 4, 15 through 19. It says that we are to speak the truth and love and to use our words to build others up. Not rotten or destructive words to pour out from our lips. So it is possible to say hard things and to say them with a righteous anger. It can be done. Unfortunately, because we have this default mode of sin nature, we have this poisonous speech. And it so commonly reveals our true nastiness. Look at the words of Romans 3, 13 and 14. Their throat is an open grave. That is really disgusting to think about. They're, they deceive with their tongues. Viper's venom is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursings and bitterness. This is the human anger that every one of us is in the fight of our lives not to be angry like this. But righteous anger, God-approved anger, is completely opposite of human anger. Righteous anger is, is being angry at the things that God would be angry about. Righteous anger is founded on God being righteous. Look at these verses. Mark 10, 18, Jesus said, No one is good but one, God. Psalm 145, 17, The Lord is righteous in all of his ways, all of his ways including anger, and gracious in all of his acts, including his acts of anger. Psalm 19, 9, The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances, that's his laws, his Stat, his rules, the statutes of the Lord are reliable and they are altogether righteous. Everything about God is righteous. He is the absolute standard for righteousness. And righteous anger is founded on God. Do you know why righteous anger exists? Because all that God made good has been turned bad. Sin has twisted it. It has perverted it, it has messed it all up, it's polluted everything that God calls good. And it's not just that we human beings have exchanged the good for the bad, but Romans 1.25 says it's much worse than that. Human beings have exchanged the truth of God for a what? Lie. And then we do what? And worshiped and served something created instead of the Creator who is praised forever. This is the stuff 
that makes God's nose hot with righteous anger. And you would think that he would just immediately wipe it from the face of the earth. But when we look at Scripture, which we're getting ready to do, we see what kind of teaching is associated with righteous anger. Righteous anger is slow. It does not fly off at the handle. It's not knee-jerk reactions. 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is patient with you. Patient, slow, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Numbers 14, 18, the Lord is slow to anger, and he's rich in faithful love, forgiving wrongdoings and rebellion. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's wrongdoings on the children to the third and the fourth generation. He is slow to act in his anger before the consequence. Nehemiah 9, 17, you are forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in faithful love, and you did not abandon them. Psalm 86, 15, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in faithful love and truth. God is not slow to love, but he is slow to anger. Do you catch the theme? I pray that you are convinced in your heart, in your mind, that this is the truth that's being presented through the Bible. And the Bible commands us to act this way. James 1.19 My dearly beloved, loved brothers, understand this. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. You want to know where counting to 10 or 100 or a million came from? Right here. Be slow to anger. Just like God is slow to anger, we are to be slow to anger. Righteous anger will also be associated with grief. There will always be a heaviness of heart that goes on because of the sinful acts that are going on against God. Look at Mark 3, 5. After looking around at them with anger and sorrow at the hardness of their hearts, he told the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. This is Jesus. He was in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and the Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus into breaking the laws of the Sabbath by healing this man with the paralyzed hand. And Jesus knew their plan. But notice, this did, not make, this did not only make Jesus angry, it also made him sorrowful. When you get angry, is there grief, not about you being offended, but that God has been offended? It's a great evaluator of what kind of anger is going on in your life. Righteous anger will care more about God's reputation and God's agenda than your own. This is a powerful verse. Proverbs 24, 11. Rescue those being taken off to death and save those stumbling toward the slaughter. We live in a world where righteous anger needs to exist because of things like abortion, in euthanasia, 
and human slavery and sex trafficking and racism and social injustice and physical abuse and emotional abuse and adultery and all other kinds of evil exist. Righteous anger must be on the battlefront, battlefront lines regarding these things. Because this is what makes the nose of God hot. And therefore, it has to make the nose of his followers hot as well. And righteous anger will first see the log in their own eye. Mm. Matthew 7, 5. Hypocrite, first take out the log of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. A person that displays righteous anger will first see his or her sin as the greater sin. That is a dynamic thought and not normal. That is a God-type thought to have that. And this person is quick to repent of their own sin before calling out someone else's sin. So it's a great question to ask. When I get angry, what's my mindset? Am I prideful? Am I humble? Quick repenter. Here's a summary chart of how we can be angry and not sin. Eliminate all forms of anger. Eliminate being motivated by pride. Eliminate distorting God's purposes. Eliminate grudges. Eliminate attacking the wrongdoer instead of the problem. And instead, exert your God-given image made of, with righteous anger, be slow to anger, grieve over sin, care more about God's agenda than your own, and first see your sin as the greater offense. Will we ever do this perfectly on this side of heaven? No. Keep trying. Living this side of the chart requires a miracle. And it's called the dwelling of the Holy Spirit inside of a person. And by God's grace, the people who claim to be Christ followers should be very intentional in trying to grow in this and to die in this. Final question, should a person ever be angry at God and I do ask that because today I believe that there are a lot of people who shake their fist at God and are angry at God. Life is hard. Tragic events have happened. Sickness, death, poverty, can't catch a break. There's a million of stories out there about people blaming God and being mad at God. So should a person be angry at God? I believe it's something that both believers and unbelievers have wrestled with throughout the days. And sometimes it seems that we operate under the impression that life should be easy and that God should prevent tragedy from happening to us. And when he doesn't, we get angry at him. But the real issue is that we just don't understand the extent of his sovereignty. 
and we lose confidence or lack faith in his ability to control the circumstances or to control the other people who are causing the circumstances. And then we get angry with God because he seems to have lost control of the universe. And worse than that, he's lost control of my life. Why is this cancer or sickness happening? Why can't I make enough money to pay the bills? Why is my marriage about to end in divorce? Why did my child die? Why are bad things happening across the world? Should we be angry with God about all of this? I believe the Bible teaches that it is okay to ask God any question that you want. Ask him. Cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. And I believe that the Bible teaches that it is wrong to be angry with God. There is a big difference between groaning to God and grumbling at God. There's a big difference between lamenting to God and lashing out at God. Anger at God is essentially telling God that he does not know what he is doing and that he has done something wrong, which he has never done. We've looked at many verses today. Good job to the sound team back there. Busy fingers. I want us to look at Psalm 145, 17 one last time. The Lord is righteous in all of his ways, including every detail of your life. And gracious in all of his acts, including all the hard parts of your life that we don't understand. And our cry needs to be, God, help me believe that this is true. God, transform my heart and mind to trust you more and more and more until it is overflowing with this kind of truth. That should be the cry. And what does the Bible say to do if you are angry at God or if you have the kind of anger that's not righteous anger, but human anger. Well, there are literally hundreds of verses that I could share with you that are very similar to this one. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What do we do? We confess. We repent. We do, repent means to do a 180. You turn one, from one way and go the exact other way. You turn from human anger and you put on righteous anger. And Galatians 5.16 says, Walk in the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. The only way to be a person with true righteous anger is to have the gift of the Holy Spirit in you. And the only way to have the Holy Spirit in your life is to put your trust in Jesus as the one who can rescue you from your sins. Amen. And the last question just simply needs to be, have you done that? Are you trusting Jesus with your life in this way? Let's pray. Father, I just come to you with a heart of gratitude. Really mindful that you have not left us on our own to figure this out.
how kind you are to give us your revealed word of God. As we have just lightly brushed the surface of many scripture references that speak the truth. And I continue to pray, Father, that each and every person hearing this now or that may hear it later on a recording, that they would be convinced that you are the truth, that your word is the truth, and that you would sanctify us by the truth. Father, make our hearts really soft at recognizing what makes your nose hot and that we would follow suit to do likewise. Father, we repent of how we can be calloused and indifferent by our own sin and the sins that happen around us. Change us of that. Whatever that means, Father, whatever it takes, it's a bold thing to say, but Father, I would ask that you would strip away us so that we'd be filled with you. I thank you that you are slow to anger. Let us delight in these promises. Guide us in living this way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.